Episode 25, I want to welcome you to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. Whether this is your first time or you've been listening since the launch, I definitely want to thank you for your support. Last week, we talked to Roger Coles, a graphic designer. He has a history in ministry. We had a great conversation about how we can impact the youth today, as well as not being triggered by the things around us, including social media. There are some big things happening in the world of Discerning Dad, including this podcast, the Everyday Discernment Podcast, so stay tuned. I'm not ready to share quite yet, but it's definitely exciting what God is doing, and I want to thank you again for coming alongside in support of this ministry. And if you would like to sow seed into this ministry, definitely check out the Patreon options as well as the donation and support page for ways you can support this ministry on discerning-dad.com. And today I have Jason Romano on the podcast. He has a great story about discernment in his life when God called him to do something different and how he moved in obedience to that call. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. I'm back today and I have Jason Romano with me. He's an author, speaker, media professional with over 20 years of broadcasting experience. And I'm excited that he's on the program today. So Jason, welcome. Good to be with you, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. How's, uh, how's 2020 treating you so far? Uh, it's just like any other year, right? <laughs> right. Uh, did nothing, nothing to speak of. Nothing crazy going on. It's been an interesting year. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of lessons I think within it, but it's it's one of those years where you wish you never went through it. But I think a lot of times, like anything in life, when we're going through valleys or difficult moments, we don't want to go through them. But I think we'll all be better because we went through them, and that's what I'm hoping. When we get to next year or the year after, we can look back and say, yeah, this really wasn't fun and it kind of stunk, but, you know, we're better for it. So, yeah. Amen. Hopefully that's what we can all say. Yeah. Cool. So just uh, tell us quickly about yourself, you know, personal information and, and anything else you want to share. Sure. So uh, I am a husband and a dad and uh, I work for a company called Sports Spectrum where I host a show uh, called the Sports Spectrum Podcast, and we're also a radio show and interview athletes and coaches and other people in the world of sports uh, and intersect the conversation with faith and talk about uh, walks with Christ and different journeys for different people uh, as they strive to follow the Lord. So that is the role that I have, and uh, I grew up in Albany, New York, moved out to Connecticut 20 years ago. Uh, for a job that I worked at ESPN for 17 years, left ESPN three and a half years ago, and uh, have been doing what I said with Sports Spectrum since then. Uh, also wrote two books uh, in the last three years uh, on, or two years, I guess, on uh, <laughs> different topics. One was on forgiveness, the other one on leadership, and uh, the latest one on leadership released a couple months ago. So it's been uh, a fun journey, and here we are in 2020, just riding the wave just hanging out yeah (laughs) that's it man that's impressive two books in two years i wrote a book and it was it's if you've never written a book before it's 
it's about as tough as you probably think it is, but it's also something that you can't just like whip up out of nowhere. It, it takes a it's, it's dedication painful. and commitment. <laughs> Tim, it's painful. And, and I would say it's actually two books in three years. It released, the first book was January of 2018. This book released in July of 2020. Um, so it, it's a two-year process really for both books to get written. But uh, even then, it's still a lot and it's, it's hard work. And it's, it's some cases, it's a labor of love, but it's yeah. also... Uh, you know, difficult. It's not easy to write books. And I'm, I'm grateful that the opportunities came. It's not my favorite thing to do. But my favorite thing to do is, is have them be done and let people read them and yes. you know, hopefully be encouraged by them. So yeah, after I wrote my book, I'm like, never again. And then I'm like, well, unless God calls <laughs> me to, <laughs> and then you never want to tell God never. Yeah, because he just laughs at us. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so how long have you been a Christian? Christian now for 19 years, a follower of Christ since Mother's Day of 2001. And uh, prior to that, I was 27, so 19 years ago. Prior to that, I was, I would call myself very nominally Catholic, but I, if you were being, if I was being honest, I didn't care about God, didn't think about God. He wasn't really any part of my life. I probably would have told you I believed in God, but the idea of relationship, salvation, the cross, any of that, I, I had no idea what it really truly was about. Uh, my brother was the first in our family to begin a journey with Christ and uh, my brother Chris. And it was three years later on Mother's Day of 01 that he initially led me to the Lord mm. and uh, began the journey. I tell people when I said yes that day, I had no idea what I was saying yes to. I didn't yeah. fully understand it. I hadn't gone and got my master's and did my thesis on you know, <laughs> salvation. Yeah. I just knew my heart was open that day, said yes, and began the journey, which honestly still continues today. I don't have it all figured out by any means. Sure, um, I would say I don't even have a master's or a thesis on, <laughs> on biblical studies or anything like that, but I certainly have grown in my faith, yeah. and uh, now it's been 19 years on this journey, and I'm not looking back. I'm continuing to press on. That's a good reminder because that's why in discipleship is so important. And I'm passionate about that is that, you know, Christians that say yes and, and gives themselves to God, a lot of times they feel the expectations of the church to be perfect and to do all the things right and to have the convictions that sometimes come with years of experience and growing closer to God in our process and journey of sanctification. We have to have grace for people who are newer Christians and help them with the questions that they have and, and come alongside them as they're running the race. And a lot of times uh, they may feel, whether it's justified or not, shunned by the church and and, and we have to stand in the gap and make sure that they know, hey, it's okay if you have questions and I'm going to come alongside you and help you. I cannot agree more. And I have had experience with that, not as much with me, um, although I had a lot of questions and I was curious. And I really spent that first year trying to learn what I had said yes to. And it took me about a year. And then I got plugged into a church and a couple months later after that, got baptized and understood uh, about salvation, still growing and learning more even to today. But I had someone close to me in my family say yes to God because they felt pressured and, you know, almost to the point where it was forced upon them. And that person ended up really pushing church and Jesus away from them for a few years. Eventually they came to faith, thankfully, but that person was not happy uh, with the witness, if you will, that someone had to them. Um, They saw my brother, they saw me, but they didn't see Jesus and the person that kind of cornered them to say yes to God and uh, saying yes out of obligation, uh, walking away. And then that person looked at me and just said, 
what did I just do? Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that. I'm so mad, you know, that that happened and, and really kind of pushed him away from faith for a few years. Thankfully, someone else came along who had a great sort of witness and representation of Christ by simply loving this person and through loving them and just spending time with them, eventually invited them to church and, and now they're walking with the Lord. But it was not easy. And uh, I've seen it work in both ways. And um, it's so important when somebody says yes and begins the journey to really be, you know, treat it like a newborn baby, yeah. you know, uh, you really be careful with it and you tend you know, being tender and, and, and caring and loving and really be gentle and not be so um, forceful. I know we get excited, right? When somebody mm -hmm. comes to faith, we're like, yes, let's get you plugged into Bible study. Let's get you on <laughs> men's group. Let's get you here. Let's get you there. And it's like, let yeah. me just breathe for a little right. while and eventually I'll get plugged in. Yeah. So that's a good word. That's great. Well, a couple icebreakers here. Um, you were at ESPN a long time. I'm curious, who is the most interesting person you met? Not the most famous, but who were you most interested in talking with? Um, I like this question because there's a lot of interesting non-famous people that I met. He's kind of famous. So I'll say his name. You might recognize him. His name is Adam Richman. He is the man versus food guy. Did yeah. you ever watch that show? Oh, man yeah, I love that. I love that show. Great show. And, uh, and Adam came... It was right before the Super Bowl, I want to say maybe 10 or 11 years ago. And the idea was to bring Adam to ESPN. He was going to be on our show first take and kind of set up a spread of food and kind of cater your Super Bowl party or tailgate or whatever it was called. But getting to know him, he's an interesting guy, right? Like, so he loves sports. He loves his Yankees. He loves the Miami Dolphins. And, uh, and so there's the unique connection, right? But he's a different guy in the sense of what he did. Like he was man versus food is him having like food competitions for an hour and trying to <laughs> with himself, <laughs> with himself. Yeah. yeah. Kind of putting him through, putting himself through misery Yeah, and uh, getting to know him though. He is just such a down to earth, great guy. Even to this day, we still have a, a fun relationship and say hello to each other on Twitter. And I haven't seen him in probably six, seven years, but tremendous guy, nice guy, unique guy. Unfortunately, probably branded as the man versus food guy because his yeah. show was so big. But, you know, he stopped doing like competitive eating like six, seven years ago and has focused on other things. But just a really unique, a, a unique guy. Another answer I got for you is, and he's famous too, but probably hasn't been famous in a long time if you want to classify it that way, was MC Hammer, the rapper. Oh, yeah. yeah. He came Here's about 10 years ago to ESPN. I mean, I'm 46, so I we grew up and You Can't Touch This was number one when I was in high school. Yeah. And he was the biggest star in the world in 1990. Um, he came about 10 years ago and it was just him dressed to the nine. I mean, he had his <laughs> million dollar suit on. Super nice guy. We talked about matters of faith and uh, got him on a couple shows and uh, just had a good time with him. I, I've gotten to meet a lot of interesting people, sports. I mean, I remember walking through the hallways and seeing LeBron James in his uniform, sitting in the King James chair that he's on the sports center commercial with <laughs> Scott Van Pelt because he was filming that commercial that day. And I just happened wow. to walk through, while I was going to the cafeteria. I remember walking through the hallways and seeing Snoop Dogg and why is Snoop Dogg here? You know, and then you realize, <laughs> oh, he's here because he's promoting something. So you meet different people. Some days are, crazier than others and uh you know i was blessed to be able to be there it's got to be surreal i remember uh yeah mc hammer sing the famous gospel song you got to pray just to make it today so that's a christian right there <laughs> there it is yeah well he used to tell me i i said how do you work your faith into your songs and i wasn't even thinking when i asked that 
And he goes, you mean other than pray? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, look at you can't touch this. My music's, what is it? My music takes me so far, helps me say, oh, my Lord, thank you for blessing me. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, he, he actually worked faith into one of it's the most famous songs ever. <laughs> it's there. So he was, we had a really neat conversation about faith. It was fun. That's funny. What about uh, favorite sports teams of yours? Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. That's been since 1979. New York Mets uh, in baseball since 1983 because of Daryl Strawberry and then eventually Dwight Gooden. And Boston Celtics since probably 1980 or 81. I was a, my dad is a Celtics fan. It's the only team that I kind of aligned with him on. And uh, Larry Bird, once he came in the league, became my sports hero, him and Daryl Strawberry in the 80s. Yeah. So those are teams that I rooted for as a kid. As a kid. And uh, here we are now. I'm not a kid anymore, and I still root for him. I still there live in die. That's die hard right there. Mostly die. Mostly die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a Cowboys fan through marriage, I like to say. Uh, in-law. <laughs> Cowboy in-law listen, fan. Dallas hasn't won anything in 25 years. So people yeah. say, oh, you're a bandwagon. I'm like, well, maybe in the 90s they were winning a lot. I was a fan of the 80s when they weren't good. Then in the 90s they won, and then they haven't won anything since. So it's hard to call me a bandwagon fan, but... Yeah. yeah, it'd be nice if they could actually win another Super Bowl someday. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I want to jump to the questions I ask all my guests as a time uh, about discernment, uh, time you made a decision that you had the influence of God or the Bible or relationships around you, and uh, a time that you had godly discernment, what that decision was, and then maybe one that you did not have discernment, and then what you maybe learned from it. Okay. Well, the time I did not have godly discernment, I mean, I wasn't a Christian for 27 years, so there's tons of discernment, if you will, that didn't uh, involve the Lord, but decisions that I made that I still believe the Lord directed my steps um, and took me to where I needed to get to. You know, even just getting to ESPN was a a crazy story on how that happened. So, um, but discerning, I think after I became a Christian, still not kind of seeking the Lord, uh, or not necessarily seeking the Lord, but not kind of having God guide my steps was during my time at ESPN. It was about 2008. So I was probably eight years into my journey at ESPN. And and I have been a Christian for five, six years, but for that time frame, I think my Christian journey was more focused on Sundays and occasionally a little bit on, I don't know, Wednesdays or Tuesdays when I'd have a small group setting or something. Yeah. But for the most part, my journey for, with Christ was was pretty much separated from my time as an ESPN producer. So I would go to work and kind of ESPN was over here. It was a piece of my life, my marriage, my, my relationship with my daughter over here, a piece of my life. And then ESPN was a large piece of my life. And in many ways, even after becoming a Christian, ESPN in many ways was my God, you know? Mm, um, yeah. Unfortunately, I hate admitting that, but it's true. I mean, it's the, it's the honest truth. And so in 2008, I was going through this process of trying to get promoted and really chasing the, the next job, corporate ladder, striving for achievement, striving for success. And about, I think it was April or May of 2008, ESPN, what they do when you work there is they provide you with um, mid-year reviews and year-end reviews. That's common in most businesses. And Mm -hmm. at ESPN in May, April, May, you get a a mid-year review. And in October, November, you get a year-end review. And uh, that's your final review. They sometimes give you a little raise, maybe a, a bonus. And in 2008, I got a scathing 
mid-year review. And it came out of nowhere. And it read something like this. It said, you know, Jason uh, is clearly talented, but he is losing focus in the task at hand. He is so focused on himself and getting promoted that he's not doing a job right where he's at. Mm. And I was like, ooh, okay. This came out of nowhere. But what that did was that really opened up my eyes to the idea of the discernment. I was trying to chase the corporate ladder at ESPN, yeah. and I wasn't looking at it through the lens of Christ. Mm-hmm. See, God was a piece of my life at that time, but he was not the centerpiece. Wow. And so when he is the centerpiece of my life, my eyes should be focused on him and then others and then myself. That's During good. this time in 2008, I was so focused on me and my achievement and my success that I missed on who God was, number one, but also that I was to be present in the moment where I was with the team I was working with. So I was trying to get this next job, but I wasn't being great or or excellent. I prefer that second word, excellent, in the job that I was currently in. And that was not representing God well, and that was letting my teammates down. Mm. So the discernment there was was not good discernment because it wasn't being seen through the lens of who Christ is. A time that I did use godly discernment, I would say this is probably the easiest answer for me because when I left ESPN, I sought wise counsel and I sought the wisest counsel with God because mm. uh, it didn't make sense. It just made no sense. And I remember it was 2015 when I, I never heard an audible voice, but I felt like God was saying, I want you to do more for me. Don't Mm. forget that. I want you to do more for me. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, and I knew that it didn't, my, my salvation wasn't predicated on doing more for God. Right. I just knew that, you know, we should be spurned to good works, right? It says our salvation should lead us to want to be a good person and to, and to do good works for others. Right. It doesn't get us in heaven, but it certainly should be a part of the fruit of the spirit that comes out of us after we, begin that relationship. And so I felt like God was saying, I want you to do more for me. I want you to do more for me. I didn't know what that meant, but at the end of 2015, I was having a, probably the roughest patch of my time at ESPN. Just, I liked my job, but the people I was around, I wasn't clicking with, uh, had a difficult boss for me. He was, he's a great guy and and, and a really good dude, but just me and him weren't clicking with regards to work. And it was easy for me to want to be out. It's time to go. I'm ready to look for a new job. Hey, God's telling me to do more for him and I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. Let's bolt. Let's go. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that. You know, they think the grass is greener and when, when the going gets tough, well, I'm out. I'm bailing and I'm going to go find <laughs> something else. Right. And I remember getting this connection for this potential opportunity to leave ESPN to go work for a sports ministry. and. It was interesting because I thought that was God clearly saying, I want you to do more for me. I remember going to my wife and saying, this opportunity might come. It hadn't been presented yet, but it might come. And if it does, I want to go and I want to move and I want to get out and let's just go. My wife was like, slow your roll, dude. You're not going anywhere. We're in Connecticut because of ESPN. Why would you want to leave this place? This doesn't make any sense. And I said, no, God is saying he wants me to do more for him. And this is sports ministry, which has a faith, you know, centered element to it with sports. It's perfect. Let's go. And my wife was like, no, it's not time. And I could sense that she was 
thinking about it from her faith perspective too. And just like, I don't have peace in this at, the, in mm. this at all. Yeah. And so she was great about that. And we said, we spent some time in prayer with that. And, you know, obviously discernment there from my wife was like, all right, let's press pause here. Yeah. Let's not cancel it. Let's just press pause. 2016 comes in. It's the best year I ever had at ESPN. I get wow. to go work on Mike and Mike. I get to go travel across the country, go to amazing sporting events, have an incredible 12 months working on Mike and Mike. Popular show, a lot of people watching it. Uh, just a ton of fun. Yeah. I used to so watch I'm, it. At, I'm at my favorite time at ESPN at this point, literally going from my least favorite to my most favorite time. And yet I still felt this stirring in my spirit. Like, don't forget, Jason, I still want you to do more for me. Yeah. And so what I did was I spent 2016 intentionally building relationships with people outside of ESPN, phone calls, conversations, emails, texts, people who were pastors, people who were writers, authors, speakers, anyone outside, really not even in the broadcasting world, Mm. but outside of ESPN that I could just learn from. Right. And I was thinking if I did this, God would kind of make it clear if I was supposed to leave or not and what that do more for me is. And in a lot of time in prayer with that, doors opened on two levels. One was to write a book, which actually happened before I ever left ESPN. The idea to write a book came about. The, the contract to write a book was signed in September of 2016, and I was still at ESPN. So this writing a book thing happened, and I was like, wait a minute, God, why are you you know, this is part of doing more for me, but I don't want to write a book. I have no interest. And by the way, the book is a deep, very personal, real raw story of me and my relationship with my alcoholic father. So what are you doing? Like, why would I want to write a book on that? Yeah. But the door kept opening and I kept hearing, yes, yes. So I pursued that. A month or two later, I get a call from the same person that I talked to about sports ministry earlier. And this person, his name is Steve. He said, Steve, uh, or he said, Jason, we just purchased an acquired sports spectrum. Have you heard of it? I said, yeah, I have actually. It's sports and faith. It's like a media company. He said, yeah. He's like, so remember when we were talking about potentially coming to work with sports ministry? Well, I have an opportunity here that I think could be perfect for you. It's media, sports media, but through the lens of Christ, telling sports stories of faith. We want you to come and basically run sports spectrum and oversee it, kind of build it up from the ground and create more content, including a podcast that you would host and produce. And so I stopped him for a second. I said, I haven't hosted anything in 20 years. Are you sure you got the right guy? <laughs> they said, yeah, we know you've produced shows and you've been around some of the best hosts. So we believe you know how to host. So we think you could do this. What do you think? And I said, well, let me pray about it. Let me talk to my wife about it. And you know, let's talk about what that actual offer would look like. So we prayed and my wife was still a little uncertain, but the discernment here, and I know it's a long-winded story, Tim, but I really think it's, it's an important one. This is great. The discernment here was not just bolting when things were bad. See, at this time, things were great. So it made no sense to leave ESPN. And yet I knew God was calling me away. And so I prayed about it. I talked to my wife about it. We prayed about it. And then they made the offer. And then we sat down and we said, okay, can this work? Because the offer, being honest, 40% pay cut, 
contract job, no benefits, working from home and traveling to Denver once a month. So it was a different change from the basically five day a week going into the office. It's 15 minutes away. Yeah. And you lost 40% of your money. Right. And my wife wasn't liking that at all. But I said, (laughs) listen, let me ask you something. Can we live on what they're offering? And we made, you know, did the budget and looked at it. I said, we can, because I was making what they're offering five years earlier or whatever. So I know we can live off it. And I said, here's what I want you to understand here. I said, I believe this is from God. If it's not, and it's Jason's feelings, this will blow up in my face. The door will shut. It'll mess up. It'll be a disaster. It might be okay for a little while, but if it's not from God, it's just not going to, it's going to fail quickly. However, if it is from God, which I, I believe it is, I think the doors will swing wide open. I think there'll be opportunities. I think God will provide. I, I yeah. still believe that whatever we do, but I said he will provide and opportunities will come that we least expect. And God will, like I said, see it through. And three and a half years later, I can tell you, Tim, God saw it through. Uh, you know, we wrote not one book, but two books. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity to do this podcast has been amazing. We've now got five sponsors for our show. We have um, 2 million downloads of the podcast. It's growing wow. and growing and you know, it still continues to grow. I, I love what we get to do. Love that I get to interview and talk to and meet so many amazing people. And I can look back now because I really don't think you can ever know God's true plan for your life until you look back. Yeah. You know, it's really stepping out in faith trusting him and then you know walking through that process directing the steps as god would ordain them to but it's when you look back and you can say okay i clearly see what god meant when he said in all your ways acknowledge me and i will make your path straight wow that's what's happened with me in the last three and a half years god's made this crazy what looks like a really winding up and down path as straight as could be and it's clearly all from him so wow that's so good. And there's so much in there to dig into. And a few things come to mind is, is first of all, uh, our wives are a great source of discernment. If you have a wife, you know, rely on her Absolutely. or if you have a husband, you know, you're supposed to be called to be one, one unit. Don't try to do things on your own if you are married. The other thing I would say is that a lot of times God will spur things in you that it's not the right time for, but he's preparing you. And I've seen this in my own life where it's small things. And I call it you, you called it open door too. I, I've called it the open door analogy with God, where God will open a door and we don't know what's on the other side of it, but it's a step of faith to walk through. And yes. it can seem scary. It can seem like, I don't, I don't know what's going to be on the other side. But if you trust that it's a door that God opened, then like you said, he will sustain you. He will carry you through. And then on the other side, you can look back and say, wow, I am so glad that I walked through not just that door, but multiple doors along the way. But at the same time, you know, God opens doors and it's our decision to walk through. And there's no, you know, there's nothing that will, we can stay where we're at. You know, we can stay in our comfort zone. Uh, God might open it up again down the road. There's grace for us if we don't walk through them, but there's also blessing if we do. There's blessing if God opens a door, then understand he will carry you through it. And there's been a lot of similar things in my life with that too. I've seen, that's a great way to put it, Tim. And I've seen, you know, I've seen people say, I'm afraid to go, number one. So I understand that. And the fear is a real thing. You know, I had fear too. Uh, but I would say also that it's not just the fear, but it's, it's being okay if it doesn't work. 
Yeah. And that was what I had to come to when I said to my wife, listen, if it doesn't work, I'll find another job. I have enough experience or whatever. I trust that God will provide. So if it doesn't work or this is not from God, let him make it clear. So, cause I don't want to do anything that's not from God. Yeah. Um, and so let him make it clear. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. And I think that's the part that people are afraid of mm-hmm. is if, what if it doesn't work out? Like I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket and if it doesn't work out, I'm done. And it's like, no, it's okay if it doesn't work out because if it doesn't work out, then that's what God wanted. To. I, and I'm speaking from a, a faith perspective yeah. here for those listening who might not be Christians. Like I understand, you know, it's, if this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but for me, if it, I was so okay with it not working out that it was worth me trying to see if it does work out. Cause I felt like it's the leap of faith thing, right? Like you take a leap of faith. If it doesn't work out, you felt good that you tried, but if it does work out, holy cap, it's from God. Yeah. It'll be beyond my wildest imaginations. And that's what's really happened here. I'm, I'm living in a world of sports, faith, broadcasting, all of the passions that I had, the dreams that I had when I was 20 are coming true at 45. Wow. Not at 30 or 28 or 22 or 26 or whatever. They're coming together now and it's Okay to enjoy the journey also and let this kind of thing play out, you know? Hey friends, this is Cole Douglas Claiborne, and I want to invite you to listen to my podcast in no hurry. This is a space where I talk with creators, authors, musicians, athletes, pastors, and anybody else in some sort of a creative field about their walk with Jesus and how that intersects with their creative living. We talk about things like contentment, comparison, identity, grief, loss, and creativity in general. And we look at all of this through the lens of scripture. Each week, I'm joined by a guest who brings their story to the show and shares how God has worked through their creative living, their work, and their life. Previous guests include author Hannah Brincher, former Major League Baseball player Matt Holliday, former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky, Pastor Scott Sauls, Jason Romano, Matt Brown, and others. So I would love for you to subscribe to the In No Hurry podcast with Cole Douglas Claiborne wherever you get your podcasts. I want to I want to go back a second because I love the video that's on your website. I would encourage everyone to look at it or I'll try to put it in the show notes if I can, but it's 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 about your whole journey and you talk in there about a conversation you had with Tony Dungy's assistant who encouraged you to bloom where you're planted because I think at the time you can correct me if I'm wrong, you want to kind of wanted to get out of ESPN, you wanted to get into ministry or something related and she told you to you can stay here and do the work you're wanting to do at ESPN and when the time was right, you were able to leave. But I think a lot of people need to hear that God might be putting on you a vision, but it's okay to be faithful where you're at if God's not calling you to move yet. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that was a pivotal moment in my life. It changed my life really that day when Coach Dungy was at ESPN and it's his assistant, Jessica, that actually said, bloom where you're planted, use the words bloom where you're planted. But for me, it was one of those where at that time, I wasn't necessarily looking to leave ESPN, but I felt like if I was supposed to go into ministry or do something that was ministry related, that I had to leave ESPN. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that my work at ESPN could actually be my ministry. Right. I didn't understand that until Coach Dungy comes and his mm-hmm. assistant, Jessica, and they both say this wonderful, you know, Coach Dungy asks me the question, 
how do you live out your faith here at ESPN? Because he found out I was a Christian. Jessica, his assistant, steps in when I say, I don't know how to do that. I think I have to leave if I need to do that. And Jessica says, no, 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 no. You're to bloom where you're planted because look where you are. Look at the ministry field that you have at ESPN. Look how you can be a light to so many other people. Look how you can truly be a representative of Christ right where you are. Yeah. She said it. She said, God might call you away someday. Obviously, he did. She said, God might call you away someday, but until he does, understand that he's got you here for a purpose. So bloom. Yeah. And it changed my life. Honestly, Tim, it made me think and focus on the future I mean, not focus on the future and just focus on the present. And I went that day from being a ESPN producer who happened to be a Christian to being a follower of Christ who happened to be an ESPN producer. Wow. Order is important. Yeah. For many of us, we are the baseball player or the construction worker or the, you know, even the pastor who happens to be a Christian. Yeah. But when we get it right, and I mentioned it earlier about God being the centerpiece, we are Christians everywhere we go. Right. So I was a Christian going to ESPN. I was a Christian going home to be a dad to my daughter. I was a Christian going to church, going to the grocery store, going to get gas, going to a sporting event, whatever it was. My identity was found in me being a Christian. It's found in Christ, not in what I did. Yeah. So that day really focused me a little bit. It took a little while, but really helped me focus that, okay, you're a Christian first who happens to work at ESPN who happens to be a dad and a husband. You are not an ESPN producer first who happens to be a Christian. This is an identity issue, Tim, that so many, especially athletes have. Yeah. That they are baseball players who happen to be Christian. Right. They are football players who happen to be Christian. No, they are Christians who happen to be baseball players, who happen to be football players. And again, you know, they the get injured or something and then it's gone. Then they don't have identity anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And so if they're rooted in this and, and you know, Paul says, on the, on the solid rock of Christ do I stand. Right. And you heard the song, all other ground is sinking sand. And that's the truth. Yeah. Because if we root ourselves in Christ, it's, it's the solid rock. It's unshakable. And our foundation is, is firm in that. When we root it in sports, so we root it in our family, or we root it in our job, or we root it in other people, or anything of this world, it sinks. Right. And it's, it's fleeting, and it won't last. And that really was a game changer for me that day with Coach Dungy. I pray this encourages someone listening. You know, you might think that I, I'm not where I need to be. God's calling me to do more. I can't be successful where I'm at as a Christian. But no, you can. You can bloom where you're planted. Now you can have that that life of faith that is attractive to others. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're working fast food, whether you're in school, like all these are parts of the journey. Like you said, the journey, the process to get there is just as important as getting there because we, God will use those, those moments, those uh, even the, the bad parts of the process to, to grow us. You know, people that look at, you know, if someone wants to be a pastor, well, I want to be like that person that has a million followers that, that has a, a huge following. That's an influencer. Well, you don't know that person's journey. You don't know what it took for them to get there. The, the churches that they had to go through the process, they had to go through the, the struggles to get there. And so everyone's journey is a little bit different, but we have to make sure that we trust God along the way and not just want the results because God's timetable is way different than our own. Completely agree. And, and it's funny because we want to control, you know, we live in a microwavable society, a controllable society. And really God says, no, actually let me, 
let go of control. Let, let me handle this. I got you. And you know, when we do that, and at least in my life and my journey, that's when I felt like I've experienced the most joy. And so I could not agree more. Really good. Well, we could talk about that for another hour, but I want to move on to your books. First of all, live to forgive. Um, in it, you say the only route to freedom and peace is forgiveness. And you talked about this briefly about your journey with, with forgiving your dad. Um, just talk more about this book and, and why you wrote it and the importance of forgiveness in, in your life and in the life of the Christian. Well, let's start with the life of a Christian. Forgiveness is, is not optional. And it's yeah. not my words. That's Jesus's words. Right. If you go into Matthew 18 and you read the parable of the unforgiving debtor, or you go into Ephesians 4 or so many other places in God's word, you see that we are to forgive every single time we are wronged. You know, in Matthew 18, Jesus says 70 times seven, and he's not talking about 490, you know, he's talking about every single time. And he tells that to Peter. And so when we think about forgiveness from a Christian perspective, it's non-negotiable. Now that doesn't mean we, we screw that up because, you know, full disclosure, I've screwed that up many times, Yeah, but it at least gives us a guide to understand that it's not optional. It's, it's required to be a Christian is to forgive from my own perspective. You know, I, like I said, I became a Christian in 2001. My dad and I had a very confusing, uh, difficult relationship for close to 40 years. Uh, he's an alcoholic. He, uh, suffered from depression later in life and, you know, could not kick the bottle and his alcoholism led to a very strained, uh, broken relationship with his three sons, me and my two brothers led to two divorces, led to the loss of his job, DUIs, jail time, a lot of bad stuff. And he tried, you know, he really did. And he fought. My dad's a fighter and he didn't know how to love properly. Uh, it was always uh, dependent on something, um, you know, from someone else or something that he was trying to do to earn love. It was very much like a relationship with God in some ways. (laughs) And that's not how it works. And he, you know, through that, he was a very angry drunk and his anger would lead to a lot of words and things that he said that he regrets, but there were still words that come from your dad. And so he would call me some pretty horrible, terrible things when I'd fight back with him. He would call my family uh, and all of us, really, my brothers had the same experience, awful things, things you would never wish on your worst enemy or say on your worst enemy. So that's where I really built up a ton of bitterness in my life towards him. And, uh, you know, I had, I talk about in the book, uh, boxes in the attic, you know, I had built up all these memories, these bad memories and kind of festered them and stored them in a box and put them up in the attic of my brain and tried to forget them. Mm. And uh, unfortunately, just like in a real box that's in the attic, eventually you have to pull the box out and see what's inside of it. Yeah. And for me, you know, I would revisit that occasionally, especially as I became a Christian, to understand and try to see who my dad was and what this relationship could be. And it's funny, what I was doing towards my dad, I felt like I was justified. He was causing this pain to me. So I would lash out back at him and I would say things to him that I'm not proud of. And I thought I was justified in saying that because of what he did to me. And that's the wrong way to go about it, but that's kind of what I, I thought. And what that did was that led to me being wrapped up in these chains of bitterness that 
took me a long time to get out of. Mm-hmm. I always tell people forgiveness is not about the other person. It's not right. predicated on what the other person does. It's not waiting for that person to apologize. Forgiveness is for ourselves. Yeah. Somebody said it once to forgive is to set a no. Yes. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner is me. Wow. It's good. I forget who said that. Lewis Smeads, I think, is the name of the theologian. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner is me. That's what I was living for yeah. so many years. So I've discovered that forgiveness is the great game changer in life. I really believe that because when we truly are, are coming to a place where we can forgive someone, and I was able to do that with my dad, I think what it does is it frees us from having bitterness and anger towards other people. Now, that does not let the other person off the hook. Sure. That's what we think happens when we forgive is, oh, we've just justified that person's wrongdoing. That's not the case. Again, forgiveness is not about the other person. You know, if justice needs to be served, it'll be served. It'll be taken care of. And sometimes you got to build boundaries because if a person's really, truly hurting you and doing things terribly to you, you got to build boundaries up there and get away from that. Sure. But that doesn't mean you can't forgive them, especially if you're a follower of Christ, you're commanded to forgive. But that forgiveness is for your own benefit. It allows you to live a free life in Christ. It really does. And it's predicated when we think about forgiveness. Like that is the essence of our relationship with Christ. Yeah. We come to him every day and say, listen, I screwed up again. Even initially when you start that relationship, God, forgive me because I'm a sinner and I'm screwed up and I'm a mess and I need you. So the forgiveness is really at the core of who we are as followers of Christ. But we're also supposed to be Christ-like in the way that we exude ourselves. And so if we go about our lives asking for forgiveness from God, but then not forgiving others, then we're just living a life of uh, that's as a hypocrite. Yeah. And uh, that's not what Christ wants us to do. I think he wants us to emulate him as po- as much as possible in the way that we live. That's why the fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians is so important because that should be what we exude as followers of Christ. And in that fruit of the spirit, one of them is forgiveness. And so I think forgiveness is, is a, is such an important thing. It's probably why I wrote the book because it's one thing to just tell my story and yeah. you can hear it and be like, wow, that's an powerful story or whatever. But how can that apply to your life? And so we wrote this book, not just to tell my story, but to have it be applicable into your life so that you can be challenged and say, you know what? I need to really search inside and look at the forgiveness that I need to maybe extend to someone else who's, who's wronged me. Yeah. And so that's why we wrote it. That's great. And like you said, you know, we were reminded of the debt we could never pay that Jesus forgave from us. And so he even told the parable of the king that forgave his servant of a, of a huge debt. He was going to go to prison. And then the servant was so, you know, wanted to pay. I read it in the message Bible recently in my son. It was like $10 compared to $100,000 is how they put it. And for the $10, he, you know, grabbed the servant by the neck and shook him. And then the king was like, what are you doing? I forgave you $100,000 and you can't even forgive your, your fellow servant. So that's it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. the parable of the unforgiving debtor in Matthew 18. And it's, it's the perfect example of who we are as Christians. Sometimes the flawed Christians that we all are, that we can't, we can ask you, God, to forgive us of our debt, the 10000 but then we can't turn around and say, Dad, to my father, I forgive you, which is, in essence, when you look at the grand scheme of things, a $10 debt. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. But once you get it, I think people understand, man, that weight, it's just freeing. It really is. And yeah. it, it helps you not be ke- kind of kept in this bitterness and bondage that we all get stuck in when we don't forgive. 
Awesome. Well, I want to make sure we get to Uniform of Leadership, your latest book. Uh, tell everyone real quick what that is, why servant leadership is so important to Christians. It's so important. I mean, honestly, I don't think you can be a leader if you're not serving, just being honest. I think mm -hmm. you could be a boss or you could be in control and have like a certain title or status, but the best leaders are those who serve. The only leaders, in my opinion, are those who serve. And, you know, I don't even think there's a definition of a bad leader. I just think if you don't serve, you're not a leader. And, you know, I think that for me in the past, I don't know, five years, I've been devouring leadership books and really interested in learning more about leadership. And I always wanted to write a book about my experiences at ESPN. I wanted it to be positive. I didn't want to be a, a peel back behind the curtain to all the negativity that can go on in a place like ESPN. I wanted it to be fun and entertaining stories. But then I really wanted to focus on the aspect of leadership. And every single story that's in the book, The Uniform of Leadership, is really told intentionally to help people understand how they can become better leaders. Mm. And so I tell stories of Tony Dungy, what you mentioned, and that story's in there. And, you know, the leadership lesson that we can all, um, you know, take with us is blooming where we're planted, right? Yeah. And then there's stories from people like Drew Brees and uh, people like Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jenny Finch, the softball player. And then there's people that you haven't heard of before. And all of these stories of my time at ESPN are culped together to show you how Jesus led and how we can understand as leaders to lead like Christ. To think about Matthew 20, 28, where Jesus says, I did not come, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and yeah. give his life as a ransom for many. He's the greatest leader of all time. And so if I want to emulate Jesus, the greatest leader, I need to serve because that's what he did. Right. And so that's why we wrote the book, and that's really what it centered around. That sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely. I'll put that in the show notes. That's going to do it for our time, Jason. Thank you so much for being on. Go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you and, and connect with you. Yeah, my website is jasonromano.com, just my main, my, my name. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram pretty frequently and my DMs are open and love to connect and hear from anybody who uh, wants to say hello or reach out for anything else. So yeah, love to hear from you. Very cool. Everyone check that out. Grab those books. They sound amazing. I'm going to read them myself. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on. God bless you and your ministry, sir. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Well, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for being here. Make sure you check out the show notes to get information on my guests as well as this ministry. And for next week, I have Ryan Frederick on the podcast. He runs Fierce Marriage with his wife. They have a podcast and a blog. And he's coming on the show to talk about marriage parenting, being a father. It's going to be a great conversation. I hope you join us. Make sure you hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review if you're enjoying this podcast. Until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.